Hey guys, welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, number 22, according to Bill. If that's a screw up, Bill, then it's your fault. Um, I, I've got a good count going here, okay. Kurt. I, okay. Have a good I'm weekend? Positive. I did. I had a really good weekend, got to watch a bunch of baseball, and saw something that I didn't expect to see that we'll talk about a little later. But Yep, yep. Uh, we both had a much better weekend than fans and players in St. Louis. Uh Correct. The Cardinals, and we're going to start there. The Cardinals uh, have the worst record in the National League. They're 11 and 24, 2 and 8 in their last 10. By far and away, the most shocking team on the bad side of things to start the season. Uh, I, I didn't expect them to start 24 and 11, but I sure as heck didn't expect them to start 11 and 24. And there is a far, far bigger problem looming for the Cardinals. Um, I'm going to talk about so so Wilson Contreras signed a five-year, eighty-seven and a half million-dollar contract to take over for Ben uh, Yadier Molina, probably one of the three best catchers to ever play the game all around, offensive, defensive, game calling, and whatnot. Um, and if you just go back and look at his metrics over his career, uh, he was a game caller, a game planner. He knew the game. He had baseball IQ in the billions. Uh, offensively, he was a he was a stud when he was younger and healthier. He still hit the ball at the end of his career, but he was he was a manager's dream. You know, I always talk about catchers uh, as major league managers because a lot of them end up being good. Uh, he's one of those guys that will be that. He was a complete package. Um, and here's here's the thing, uh, Wilson Contreras. So so uh, Ollie Marmel made the comment, and and I'm going to translate this uh, without uh, the use of a bleeper. Um, Ali Marmel, uh, th these are excerpts from his quote. He is having trouble executing the game plan, lacks familiarity with the pitching staff. That is to say he doesn't pay attention to when it comes to planning the game and the pitchers don't like him. Uh, those, are pro those are probably straight translations from baseball ease to, uh, uh, to fan fandom. Um, and that there's okay. We're what are we? Uh, four weeks, uh, five five weeks into the season. Five weeks, five into, weeks into the, into the season. season, right? How many weeks of spring training do we have? Uh, nine, nine weeks. Yep. All right. So we're fourteen weeks in. Uh, familiarity with the pitching staff generally takes about uh, a week in spring training to get to know your pitchers. Get probably two to three outings. Uh, at most with them, some bullpens. A lot of times, uh, good catchers will go down and catch bullpens of the staff, the starters, just to get a feel, talk. And that's where I can walk through things with my catchers. And uh, so so I'll take you through kind of my evolution as a pitcher uh, as it relates to my catchers was very different. When I came up in 1988, I had Mickey Tettleton and Terry Kennedy, two veteran guys, uh, not really teachers, but veteran guys who I just listened to. Uh, you know, then Bob Melvin comes along in 89 and 90, uh, more of a, more of a, a, a teacher. Um, I go to Arizona or to, to, uh, to, to Houston in 91, I get Craig Biggio and Craig was more of a, Craig was not a catcher by trade. I mean, he was, but he wasn't, he was an outfielder, infielder athlete. Um, and probably not, he was, I don't, I don't think in the, in the he was in the big leagues to be a catcher anyway. And I think he proved that, uh, that as well. Uh, and then I went to the Phillies and I had my first uh, old school, hardcore leader mentality in Darren Dalton, 
who was, and you've heard me talk about him in the past, uh, the best leader I've ever, ever had. Uh, outstanding defensive catcher, um, probably underrated a little bit. Uh, and I also had, uh, I had a lot of guys in Philly over my 10 years. Todd Pratt was the backup. Very, very, Todd Pratt was probably the first guy I ever felt physically had a get committed. He wanted to call a good game. He wanted after the game to be, to be recognized for game calling. And that's not a, believe it or not, not a very common trait. A lot of young catchers over the years. Uh, Gary Bennett was one good one had Benito Santiago probably as gifted as anybody ever defensively, physically <laughs> did not care about calling a game, uh, left it all on you and you alone. Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of, like I said, a lot of catchers through years went to Arizona, uh, had Damian Miller, uh, Kelly Stinnett. Damian was a phenomenal catcher. Uh, I, I, in my at that point in my career, I brought him into the game plan process. And as I got older, I did that. Uh, and as my game planning evolved, so did my relationship with my catchers. Um, then I went to Boston, and uh, the end of my career, I was caught by probably the best all around uh, defense. Preparation player I ever played with in Jason Veritek. Also, very underrated backup in Doug Mirabelli, who was a phenomenal game caller, high baseball IQ, and all the things that go with that. Um, in Philadelphia, for quite a few years, I had Mike Lieberthal. I had Mike from a rookie to when I left, and he was a veteran. Uh, he caught m almost all of my games when he came up. Uh, and his his uh, his growth was evolution. And here's here's the thing. The catching job in the big leagues encompasses so much to be good, to be good, right? If you if you aren't good, if you are having trouble executing a game plan or you lack familiarity with the pitching staff, you're not somebody that pays attention in the pre-series meetings. You're not somebody that goes out there and walks through a game plan with your pitcher and 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 buys in and all the things that go with that. And I mean, but there's so much more than just that. But that's the first thing. That's the big thing. And and so as my career went on, I uh, I became more in control of my game plan and basically told my catchers, here's what I'm going to do. And here's what I need you to do. There's other pieces to this. Uh, while we still have human umpires, there's pitch framing, excuse me. And you've seen the Ivy league guys, excuse me, create metrics and stats for catchers that have stolen pitches through pitch framing and whatnot. Um, there's the relationship with the pitcher, the probably the most underrated, but probably in the top two or three most important factors for me was my catcher's relationship with the umpire. Because as long as there is a human umpire back there, you're got, you've got a human with flaws, right? And I wanted, and I was very explicit with my catchers. I didn't want to interact with the umpire uh, uh, as much as I could avoid it because it's a relationship. If I have to physically interact with the umpire, all the fans can see that on, on at home. That means they start booing the umpire on the road. That means they start getting louder and getting into the game. And, and neither of those things do I want, no matter, even if it's CB Buckner, who is, or Angel Hernandez, who was horrific. I don't want the, to add to their misery and make them suck even more. Right. And, and, you know, I talked, I had a book on umpires. I knew their tendencies, Vegas knew their tendencies and I would follow that. Uh, the, the odds and percentages of, 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 you know, what umpires did during games. Uh, so I needed my catcher to manage that. Right. So you've got pitch framing, you've got uh, a game plan from the pitcher. Then you have to have your game plan for all the relievers. 
when they come in. Uh, then you have to have uh, uh, the other hitters, knowledge of the opponent's hitters and and what they're going on, what they're doing. Understand the umpire that day. Is he having a good day or a bad day? Uh, do I want to uh, perk him up or, or do I need him to start getting more consistent, blah, 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 because I want to protect my pitcher, which, by the way, that's one of the other small factors. You're the first guy physically. A, a hit, if a hitter reaches a pitcher, for the most part, that's the catcher's fault. When a hitter charges the mound, he should never, ever get out of the batter's box. Because the catcher, a good catcher won't ever allow that to happen. A good catcher will go out in front or or grab and stop. Um, and that generally tends to, to, to narrow down their job description. Um, but all of those things are crucial. And, and when you're getting uh, a couple numbers, the Cardinals pitching staff, uh, 4.78 uh, ERA is eighth worst. Fifth most. So here's the another thing. They have the fifth most wild pitches thrown. Uh, the fifth highest whip, second most total hits, second most hits for nine. Uh, he is he has the fourth highest error total, and and I thirty nine wild pitches. Not all wild pitches are wild pitches. That's another thing. There are wild pitches that should be pass balls. There are wild pitches that shouldn't get past you. Uh, go back and look. Take a look at Yadier Molina's totals for wild pitches over the course of a season and of his career. Good catchers turn wild pitches into blocks. Um, and then there's a whole other game to this. All that is to say what I believe is this. Car Wilson Contreras is done catching for the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got a hitter who, by the way, is hitting 270, which is nice, with a 765 OPS, uh, 20th among catchers in the big leagues as your DH. Because you've told him, basically, and I'm sure the conversation was probably a little bit more heated and animated in the background, uh, but if I'm Adam Wainwright, there's, I would assume there's already meetings that have happened, uh, between him and which is, Hey dude, listen. Uh, and I told Mike Lieberthal, I'll never forget this. When Mike Lieberthal came up, uh, I, I, his rook his before his first start with me. And he'll tell you this. I sat him down and walked him through what I expected of him. Uh, obviously it was a lighter load as a rookie, but one of the things I told him, I said, listen, I don't care. And, and I said, don't take this personally. I don't care if you go 0 for 4 and you punch out four times. I don't care. If you call the great game, that's all that matters to me. Your, your offensive output is gravy. I need a, a coach and a captain and, and a teammate back there catching. And tried to make him understand because Darren Dalton was indifferent. And by that, I mean, it, in the seventh inning of the game, I didn't know if Dutch had hit three homers or punched out three times. Uh, he was talking to me. And making me feel like, hey, listen, the game is the most important thing to me, calling this game. Whether they believe it or not, the, giving off that air is an enormously important thing for, for pitchers, um, for good pitchers. Uh, and then, you know, relievers, they'll talk about it, the, uh, the bullpen guys. You know, does, when you go in, does the catcher have a game plan for your stuff? Uh, do you, does the catcher know what's going on? Or do you have to go in and, and, and prepare him for that? That's just, that's just, and that's, now you under hopefully you'll understand why I think in in, uh, in baseball catching is kind of like goaltending and quarterbacking in the sense it takes longer to develop or uh, NHL defenseman because there's so much more than what you see uh, and there's an enormous depth to it if you're good if you're not good uh, well and, and let me let me give you an example of a, a guy that that he was it wasn't that he was not good um, Benito Santiago was an outstanding defensive catcher and a phenomenal teammate but he didn't really care too much about calling a game. So I knew that I, I just knew if I held runners close, no one was stealing because he was going to throw them out. 
uh, and he was focused on his hitting. And I took, I, I addressed that because physically he was fine defensively. Um, and there were other guys who I made the, I, they, I had catchers, young guys that would catch me and wouldn't catch me again because they didn't get it. They didn't want to get it. Their baseball IQ didn't get it, but I wanted to work with the same catcher, not necessarily the same guy as a person. Like I didn't pick a guy out, but I wanted the same catcher for 35 starts. And if I changed out the only two guys, I think I was ever really comfortable changing out were well, not the only two, but two of the big ones were Todd Pratt and Doug Mirabelli. Cause those guys took an enormous Chad Moeller did too. Rod Barajas in Arizona took a lot of, uh, and they understood the importance of calling a good game because at the time I pitched, I was a veteran to those guys. So that was a big deal to them. But here's the other piece to this. I'll go back to the umpires. Umpires, they're human, right? There are umpires who hate certain catchers and umpires who love certain catchers. And I'll give you uh, an example. There was a certain guy during my era who was a continual gold glove winner. The umpires despised him catching a game despised it because he blocked the strike zone he didn't give them good looks he let balls go through that would hit them when there was nobody on base it was and they were very vocal about it you they you i knew as a pitcher that the umpire doesn't like this guy behind the plate and so you took advantage of that any way you could and there's another myth and another thing going out there big catchers aren't necessarily a good thing uh, and I say that for this reason, big catchers take up space. Space gives the umpires a lot less strike zone to look at. If you look at the old days, the umpires that wore the big chest protectors that squared up behind home plate and called the strike zone were much more uh, able to command the strike zone than the guys who who wear all that goofy looking crap that makes them look cool and they have to stand off to the side. And big catchers aren't good for that. Big catchers, Mark Parent, I think was 6'6". Six, six. It was a challenge. And umpire said, listen, he's just huge, man. I have trouble getting both sides or getting the outside of the strike zone. Now, Mark, but, but Mark made up for it in the sense that he was great with young umpires. He knew how to play that game. Very good at playing that game. Uh, Chris Hoyles, I had in Baltimore who developed, uh, I think, was a guy who was very cerebral, very, very high baseball IQ, understood the whole game, and also had Cal Ripken at shortstop to help. So, there, so so this Wilson Contreras thing isn't just a, a weekend story that's going to pass. This is something that is going to be a lengthy, if not a five-year problem. You're not going to get rid of him. He's now your DH. You've told him he can't catch your pitching staff. So, so what you have to think about is if they bring him back behind the plate, it's not something as simple as, hey, uh, uh, Wilson's catching tomorrow. There's discussions about why he's not catching, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, and so that, but that needs to happen. But when you see the quotes, he is having trouble executing the game plan. He doesn't pay attention in pitchers meetings. He doesn't understand how we're attacking hitters and he doesn't understand our pitchers and he lacks familiarity with the pitching staff. There are some pitchers that have bitched and moaned about Wilson Contreras. That's, that's the gist of that whole conversation. Uh, real quick, let's go off a, hey, uh, anything there, Billy? No, the only thing, the only other thing that went through my mind was, you get you bring a free agent in who's making $87 million in five years. There's an expectation based, based on that player. And everything you just laid out about that means that you're losing faith in management. You're lo it, it just 
Yeah, it's well, an avalanche of bad things. Well, hold on a second. That is absolutely on the GM. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, uh, if you look at what these guys do these days, when they, you know, all of the history and background. I, mean, I don't know if you've watched uh, what was it, Draft Day with Kevin Costner. Yeah. The amount of information you gather on a player before you commit a long-term contract for GMs is absolutely astronomically crucial. There's a, and think about this as well. How many good hitting catchers are there in the big leagues? Yeah. Right. Adley Rushman is, is, is the unicorn, right? Why did the Cubs put so little effort into retaining him? Exactly. Right. This is, this is almost and in, and I not the same Russell Wilson with the Seattle Seahawks, right? Everybody thought, well, how the hell could you let a franchise quarterback go? Yeah, well, here you go. Here's the reasons. <laughs> because they get into a different environment, all the stuff that they've become. And this is a veteran, right? Veterans establish themselves in certain ways. Russell Wilson's not doing anything different in Denver than he did in Seattle. Wilson Contreras isn't doing anything different in Chicago than he did in St. Louis. This is who they paid for. That's on the GM. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Tampa. So all the I, and and listen, I love the Yankees because I've always I was uh, I was in love with George Steinbrenner my whole life. I think Brian Cashman's a stud. Uh, I love Aaron Boone, and I think I love any team that 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 does what they do. Uh, although I hated them when I was in Boston, uh, they were the fans uh, commenting in April about Ta uh, Tampa Bay's week schedule. Oh, they're they're you know, 17, no, because they haven't played anybody. Tampa just took two or three from the Yankees, and Sunday uh, was a gut punch for me. It brought back horrible memories. Uh, Sunday in the sixth inning, uh, well, going into the fifth, Garrett Cole had a 6 nothing lead. That's, that's game, game over. over. Right. Game over. I, I bet you if you look at his lifetime numbers, and we should, I should have done that. I didn't do that. But I'll bet you he's something like 101 <laughs> right. uh, when leading by three or more, or four more after six. Anyway, Tampa. It, okay, remind me that. Uh, well, uh, okay, Tampa came back. They won. They came back and and uh, tied it up. Three run homer in the sixth. Garrett Cole coughs up the lead. Tampa wins. I can tell you a couple things. First of all, Garrett Cole will sleep zero hours over the next 96 because these are gut wrenching losses. And uh, Tampa is legitimate for real. Everything you want to bitch about that that week schedule gave them, they're real, right? They are real. Uh, everything about them. Uh, they're first in the major leagues in batting average runs, run differential, OPS, ERA, and WHIP. So basically, Tampa is a 25-man version of Shohei Otani. Right. Um, and the Yankees are now 10 games behind them. That's that's getting dangerous. Uh and 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 I'll 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 end the show by sharing this story with you. Two stories actually. I was in uh this was uh 2004 or yeah, 2004 we're in Toronto. Uh I had a 7 nothing lead in the 5th inning. Uh fly ball down the left field line, Carlos Delgado. Uh Manny Ramirez nonchalance down to to catch it, lets it go, it bounces in and goes out for a ground rule double. I can't breathe. I literally have like reflux on the mound because it was, he just nonchalant the ball. Give up uh, a run or two. I can't remember. Come out of the inning and I put my glove down and I'm, I'm headed down to the end of the bench. And Jason Veritek stops me. He goes, Nope, you can't. 
I'm like, what do you mean I can't? He goes, not during the game. Not This is not the time or place. And I'm like, well, when the fuck is it the time or place? <laughs> He's like, uh, I'll handle it. I'm like, okay. I And th this is 100% on me. I go out in the seventh inning, uh, give up three more runs. It's seven to four. Two outs, bases loaded. Chris Gomez is at the plate. Run the count full. Couple foul balls, I think. Three-two split, grand slam. I'm sitting on the mound as in disbelief to the point of I come out, we lose the game. I'd never done that before. Now, I, I, I actually had done that before, and I had forgotten about it. In 19, I want to say it's 97 or nine. It might be 19, 1998. I became the first pitcher since the Second World War to blow a four nothing lead in the bottom of the ninth all by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm actually, I have, I have gas bubbles just mentioning that uh, four nothing lead bottom of the ninth, two hitter. Things are going great. I'm done. Piazza singles to lead off the ninth. Ventura hits a two run homer. It's four, two. Okay. No big deal. Inning battles back and forth, back and forth. I got two outs. I hit two guys in the inning, slipped them. Uh, ended up with the bases loaded and two outs. And uh, Bill, this honest to God, this is the conversation. Mike Lieberthal comes to the mound. John Olrood is at the plate. Mike Lieberthal comes to the mound and he looks at me and he says, hey, what do you want to do here? I said, I don't know. He's like looking at me. I go, I have nothing to get this guy out. I don't, I can't throw a pitch that he's not going to hit hard. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. I said, so let's do this. Let's throw a fastball away. Hope he lines it to left and Gant catches it and we get out of here with a tie game or, or or Ronnie throws the guy out at home plate or something. He's like, he like laughs and walks back to home plate. Fastball away, line drive, one hopper to Ron getting left, late throw home, run scores, walk off win. Walk off loss. Yeah. I sat on the bench in Shea Stadium for probably like two hours. The buses were already gone. I was still in my uniform sitting on the bench. Like... It was the most miserable loss of my entire life. And I'll never, and, and, and I, so when I see something like that happen to somebody as good as Garrett Cole, I, that, that adds to the fact that I don't miss the game. I don't miss those. The highs <laughs> were unbelievable, but I can't explain how the depths of the lows and, and that's four days. Yes. I got to forget the game. I got to get ready for my next team, but I'm every time, every ounce of my fiber and my being is saying, I just blew a six, nothing lead. I just blew a six, nothing lead. And at the end of the year, when you're 19 and five, that six, nothing lead, you're thinking, well, okay, that's my 20th. That's on me. Ooh. So anyway, uh, hopefully you learned a little bit about catching in the big leagues and about the fact that Wilson Contreras is going to turn out to be an $87 million uh, DH. Um, hey, before we get out of here, Kurt, yeah. let Hey, I'll, also, let me say something real quick, Bill. Just so for you people that might be new to the show, and Wilson, maybe if you're listening, I have nothing personal against the guy. I, I, I've always enjoyed the guy. I think he's a very good player. Um, but I also know baseball ease. I know when I hear, uh, and I'll use this example. Anytime you hear a player, anytime you ask a player as a fan, you ask a player about a, another player. There's two answers and only two. Oh, phenomenal guy or anything else. Anything else means, I don't know, the guy's probably a dick or he's, he's, he's not a good teammate or whatever. And, and that's, that's, that's baseball ease. Might be different now though, Bill. I mean, we're in a different generation, so that might be different, but that's how it was when I was coming up. 
Speaking of different generations, couple of things yes. happened this week. Uh, yeah. One speaking, good, one bad. One good, one bad. We'll start with the good. Right. One the, of the one yeah. of the great guys, Willie Mays, turned ninety-two. And I believe there's an argument to be made that he was the greatest player ever. There are a lot of people who yep. played in his era who said exactly that. Yep. Yep. And 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 I that and it 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 actually leads to an uncomfortable story, which is everybody said Mickey Mantle was every bit as good as Willie Mays. If he hadn't run himself into the ground, he would have been Willie Mays. Wow. Uh, and Mr. Mays, by the way, one of the kindest, gentlest men I've ever met. Um 24. He didn't play 24 years in the big leagues. He was an all-star 24 times. Um, yeah, the all-star game could be a fan thing, but 24 times it's not a fluke. Won the MVP twice. 660 homers, 339 stolen bases, 3,293 hits. Uh, another reason why writers shouldn't vote for the Hall of Fame, because Mickey Ma Willie Mays didn't get 100%. Which makes no sense. No, it doesn't. You should have lost your ballot if you didn't vote for Willie Mays. That's just asinine. And another reason why writers don't need to be voting. Well, um, and, and the other thing, you, you missed the 12-time Golden Glove when you, yeah. you ripped that off. I don't ever remember a center fielder who covered as much ground and got to as many balls as he did. Let me just say, I'm going to mention one name of a guy who I felt like, there's a couple guys, but two guys, one guy for sure that I watched that I felt was Willie Mays like was Andrew Jones. Yep. The other one who I very rarely saw in the prime of his career, everybody said was Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there's the Devon Whites of the world and uh, guys like that, but but those guys were were on, a, on another level. And the sad news is uh, the passing of uh, a great at 73 years old, the last player in the major leagues to win in the American League to win the MVP as a as a switch hitter. Uh, pitcher Vita Blue passed away uh, at 73, 209 career wins, 71 Cy Young Award. Uh, I, I didn't know the in-depth story about him and Mr. Finley. Um and the fact that they really hated each other. Because if you remember the early 70s, which is when I got into baseball, the A's were about Billy Martin and complete games. Every pitcher on that set, Matty Kehoe, uh, Norris, Langford, McCaddy, uh, those guys were, were every game was a complete game. Yeah. And uh, Billy Martin ran through his starters, ran them ragged. Vida was that guy. Um, well, Bully Kuhn stopped him from being tr traded twice. Twice. Yeah, yeah. In the best interest of the game. Yankees and Reds, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, imagine the Yankees being in there. But uh, rest in peace. Uh, a, a, a tremendous uh, gentleman from everything I know. Ran into some trouble late in life. Um, but I, I never heard a bad word about Mr. Blue but from anybody that ever played against him or with him. Uh, apparently, he could hit 100. Uh, and only Nolan was a guy who threw harder. And he was left-handed, too. So. Right. Uh, thoughts and condolences, prayers to the, to the, the uh, extended Blue family. And happy birthday, to uh i think probably might be the greatest player that ever played uh in, in willie mays because he did it after integration so he played against everybody white black hispanic everybody and i think the game was a different game then so uh lots going on this week we'll uh we'll catch up on friday uh i want to talk about james tyon who's coming back with the cubs um the rays will probably still be rolling 
I, I don't expect this Contreras story to go away um, because the media won't let it. Red Sox are playing very well. Chris Sale's getting healthy um, and bouncing up and down like I know he would. Um, and, and the Mets are uh, playing awful baseball. They just lost their fourth series in a row. Right. That's another topic that has to yeah, be yeah, looked yeah. at. And, and the Yankees are struggling a bit, but I, I, I tend to be okay with people saying injuries. Because right. the thing that was supposed to carry the Yankees was their offense, and and uh, for the most part, Judge and Stanton haven't been uh, completely healthy this year. Not that that's an excuse, because everybody has it, but that's certainly something. So we'll catch up with the Red Sox, the Yankees on Friday. Uh, Bryce Harper seven for sixteen and getting off like nobody's business. Uh, and actually, you know what? I'm going to close out with a better story. Liam Hendricks, uh, who survived cancer, uh, uh, well, he had the same thing John Lester. Had. Uh, he's made two rehab starts and, uh, he's, he, or no, he's made yeah. two minor league appearances, appearances. Uh, and then he's done well, um, and done very well. And more importantly, he's healthy. So good, good for him. I'm glad to see that. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you guys on Friday. Outkick.com, the Kurt Schilling baseball show, Spotify as well. Uh, check us out. Take care. Have a great week, Bill. I'll talk to you on, on Friday.